I'm actually going to apologise before I begin. I, I did spend a lot of time preparing this. Um, I've known for about a month, and I have put probably 30 hours into this. But then coming to actually practice it, say it, I just um, really struggled. Um, and I think that's because of the subject matter. I'm not looking forward to it. Um, um, and I'm nervous, so if this seems like I rustled it up this morning, um, my apologies. Um, we're looking at Roman, uh, not Romans. Um, <laughs> I did practice, honest. <laughs> okay, we're looking at the Bible, uh, so if you could turn there. Um, we're looking at Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Um, and there were going to be slides, but my memory stick didn't work this morning, so um, sorry. Uh, this is uh, the passage entitled The Sinful Woman Forgiven. We're doing a um, series on the parables of Jesus, and the parable I've been given is the parable of two debtors that comes in this passage. As you're turning, uh, let's just think about the context of this. Um, this takes place in a town called Nain, uh, where Jesus had uh, arrived, um, and as he entered the town, he saw a dead man being carried out and a crowd around him. And he drew near, and the man was the only son of a widow. Jesus, full of compassion, had um, gone up to the pole bearers, stopped the procession, and said, Son, I say to you, arise. And he had raised the dead boy from from the death to life, and gave him back to his mother. It says that fear seized from all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And so uh, news of this goes out to the surrounding country, and this gives Jesus the opportunity to heal many, to cast out demons. And this causes such a stir that John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin's uh, disciples, come and they say, um, they bring a message from John saying, are you for Christ? That is, are you God's chosen one who was the Messiah, who God had promised in the Old Testament to his people, the Jews, saying that one would come who would deal with the problem of sin. And John says, are you he? And Jesus says, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised. These were the signs in the Old Testament of the Messiah. He says, blessed is anyone who's not offended by me. Jesus also has had the opportunity to teach. And he's taught about John. He said, who did you go to see? Did you go to see someone in fine clothes with fine speech? No, you went to see a prophet. But then he's contrasted how people responded to John, who they rejected, saying... He's demon-possessed to himself, who people rejected, saying he's a glutton and a drunkard, because God's message is rejected. And so as we come to this, Jesus has given a harsh message for people. But one of the people from the town, a, Phar a Pharisee, one of the rulers in the local um, Jewish church, invites him, and that's the passage we come to where Jesus is invited to eat with this man. So we'll read that. 
One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took a place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learnt that he was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now the Pharisee who had invited him, when he saw this, said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus said, to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, For one, I suppose, for whom he cancelled the bigger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with the oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those sitting at the table began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. As we come to this passage, I think uh, when we look at the Bible, we often try and put ourselves into the text and into the characters. So it's important to look at who the characters in this passage are. Well, first you have Jesus. Um, please don't assume you're Jesus here this morning. Um, if you do, we'll talk afterwards, and um, I'll see if I can get it out of you. Uh, it won't be sanctified. Um, Jesus has come to the town, and he's done uh, well, it's what I said in the context. He's been teaching, he's been healing, and... Uh, so we come to Simon. Simon is a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees were, um, they weren't like the priests. The, the priests were of a certain tribe of the Jews, and they were in charge of the sacrificial system that the Jews had in place to purify them from their sins and to get them close to God. Um, in the Bible, Luke talks often about the scribes. Now, the Pharisees weren't the scribes. Um, the scribes were probably off-duty priests. So the priests worked for a certain number of months in the temple, and then they had a certain number of months off to work their land, to spend time with their family. And they were probably the scribes. Um, Pharisees were... um, They weren't Levites, so they couldn't be uh, priests, but they were religious men. Um, Paul the Apostle was a Pharisee and he was a Benjamite, so we know they weren't Levites. Uh, They could have been from any of the other tribes who weren't priests. Um, They were men respected by the community, we know that. They were also, they were for church leaders. They um, would have been for sort of people who preached, um, 
who weren't elders, who weren't in charge. Um, and so that's, that's who fa- uh, Simon was. I think we can be unkind to Simon because he was a Pharisee. Often they get very bad press in the Bible, and fairly. Um, the last sermon I preached on was uh, another meal that Jesus went to at another Pharisee's house. And on that occasion, the Bible says, a Pharisee invited Jesus over to dine with him in order to test him, that he might trap him. And so Pharisees were opposed to Jesus. But here I think actually Simon is doing something that any of us would do in his situation. Jesus, a prophet, has come, done amazing miracles in his town. And he's the church leader. He's interested in looking after his flock. He invites Jesus round to find out more about him. We see that later because actually he's not made up his mind about Jesus until Jesus lets the woman touch him, at which point Simon makes the wrong, mind, his, uh, the wrong choice and decides Jesus isn't a prophet. Uh, then we come to the woman. Well, she's uh, titled the sinful woman in the uh, title to the passage. And Luke says, Behold a woman of the city who was a sinner, So we know she was a sinful woman, um, and Simon calls her uh, this sinful woman that Jesus shouldn't let touch him. Um, We're not told what her sin was, and that's probably out of kindness from the Bible. Um, But she was known as a sinner. She was ostracized from the community. She's someone that Simon would not associate with. Um, And so we come to the scene that this story takes place in. It's a mealtime where Jesus is at the dinner table with Simon and there are others around listening to the conversation. And suddenly this woman shows up. I don't know how she got into the house. There's probably a whole other story in that in itself. But she manages to break into someone else's house, walk up to the table, and then she totally breaks down in a Amazing way. I've never seen someone cry to the point where they could wet and wash someone else's feet. If you imagine that, that would be awkward enough in today's society if someone came into your house and did that to your guest. But it's more than that. In Jewish culture, the difference between men and women at the time, the sort of social divide between the two, Husbands wouldn't walk with their wives in public in case people got the wrong impression. And men would not talk to women in public because that was seen as um, dodgy. So for Jesus to let this woman come up to him, touch his feet, would have been scandalous in Simon's eyes. And it's happening in his house. And so it's not really surprising that Simon comes to this conclusion about Jesus. He says in his mind, if this man were a prophet and knew who was touching him, he wouldn't let her. Therefore, he's not a prophet. The ironic thing then is, as we come to the parable, Jesus uses his prophetic power because he says and answers Simon's internal monologue 
and says to him, Simon, I know what you're thinking. Here's the answer. Simon, I have something to say to you. Say it, teacher, he answered. And so we come to the parable. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. When neither could pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, For one, I suppose, for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Uh, there's a few things we need to clear up about the parable. First, the uh, debt. A, a denarii or a denarius would be the uh, singular term for that. was uh, for minimum wage for a worker. So in today's money, I guess that's about £45 or thereabout. Um, it works out about £2,300 for 50 denarii would be for debt. Uh, that's 50 days minimum wage work. Um, 500 days of that would be, well, you can do for maths, it's 10 times more. It's uh, £23,000. Um, there's a problem with this debt in that we automatically think that um, if there's two sides of debt, does that mean Jesus is saying that some people owe God more than others? that there's different scales of sinner. Um, I'm a 50 denarius sinner, and Denzel's a 500 denarius sinner, because he's lived longer than me. Um, Andrew's a 1,200 denarius (laughs) sinner, because I know what he's like. (laughs) You're welcome. It's not that at all. It's a uh, perceived debt. That is, the amount that these two owe lands them in the same place. Because it says in the text, Jesus says, there are two debtors who owed two different amounts, but neither could pay. So it doesn't matter how much debt you owe if you can't pay. If you take out a mortgage on a house for £200,000, and you can't pay that back. You're no different to the man in the big house up the road who took out a £2 million mortgage because both of you are going to end up in the council house if you can't pay. It's the simple truth of it. It doesn't matter how rich you are, if you can't pay your debt, you're homeless. It really doesn't matter. The amount of debt is just how much debt do I think I'm in? And one man would look at his debt and say, I'm in a huge debt. The other would look at his debt and say, I'm in a small debt. But they're going to end up in the same place. And so how's the parable work then? Well, who's going to forgive or who's going to be more grateful when the debt's forgiven? Um... If you owe the bank £2,000 and you can't pay it, um, say if you bought a car and you bought, I don't know, a uh, five-year-old Vauxhall Astra with um, 200,000 miles on the clock, a bit beat up, um, and it's not your car, it's fine. Uh, 
and say, um, say you spent uh, £2,000 on it, um, then you lose your job. You can't pay back the monthly uh, payments on the loan that you took out to buy this car. So you go to the bank and you say to the bank manager, I'm sorry, I can't pay this back. Um, and he looks at your account, he looks down at the payments you've been making and says, well, I see you've not been paying, but I also see you've uh, not been paying in any money to your account. Is everything okay with your work? You say, no, I've lost my job. That's why I can't pay it back. Um, at which point the bank manager takes a breath and says, well, okay, um, do you use your car to look for work? And he says to you, and you say, yes, I do. I don't know what I'm going to do after this. He says, okay, I cancel the debt. And so you walk out of there. Your debt's been cancelled. You don't overbank anything. But on your way through Wrexham High Street, home from Lloyd's, you see a man um, who doesn't look like he works for Lloyd's, um, handing out flyers. And as you take one, it says, Lloyd's, the best bank in the world. And it turns out that he had just bought a Bentley. I mean, you might love Lloyd's, because they cancelled £2,000 debt, but he's just spent £200,000 on a car, couldn't pay it back, has been forgiven. He's going to love the bank more than you are, because he had more at stake. He saw his debt as big. You saw your debt as something small. That's the meaning of this parable. It's very simple. If you see yourself as forgiven a lot... You'll love the person who forgave you a lot. If you see yourself as forgiven a little, you'll love the person who forgave you a little. It doesn't matter what the debt is. It's how you see the debt. If you see it as something small, then you'll shrug your shoulders at it. If you see it as something big, it will change your life and how you view the person who forgave you. That's the parable, that's what I was given to preach on. Um, and it's a rather short sermon if we leave it there. But I think there's quite a lot of application that Jesus gives to Simon. Um, and this is why it's an uncomfortable sermon for us, because Simon doesn't get an overly kind response from Jesus. He says, see this woman... When I came into your house, you didn't give me a bowl to wash my feet, but she's washed my feet with her tears and dried it them with her hair. You didn't kiss me, but she's kissed my feet. You didn't give me oil for my head, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Ointment is a stupid word. It should read something more like perfume. Um, ointment is just a bit, I don't know. ESV, uh, a bit, um, get a better Bible. Uh, <laughs> that's for one. Last time I said, uh, don't come to the prayer meeting this time. Uh, my mess up was uh, uh, something else. Um, <laughs> what does Jesus say about Simon? He says, he's relating to Jesus in the wrong way. 
I'm going to be slightly naughty and look at more things that struck me about Simon uh, when Jesus pulls up. Um, Simon, for a start, relates wrongly t- to Jesus, but he also relates wrongly to the woman who is there. Um, see, how he relates to her. She, he doesn't want her in his house, I don't think. Um, the way he talks to uh, or thinks about Jesus when this woman turns up, he says, if this man was a prophet, he wouldn't let this woman come near him because he would know who she was. Well, that shows something about how Simon thought about this woman. She was someone he wouldn't let come near him. This woman would have never gained entry to Simon's house if he had had a choice. If she had come to call, she'd have got uh, sent away at the door. He doesn't want her there. But he also doesn't want her to meet with Jesus. That's the most scandalous thing about what Simon thinks. He says if he knew what she was, he wouldn't let her come. And now I think we do have to think quite carefully about ourselves. And I had to think quite carefully about myself when we see someone like that. Because these people are in the Bible for a reason. And it's to show us something about ourselves. Um, Simon doesn't want this sinful woman who he, I think, despises, isn't too strong a word, is certainly uneasy about um, to come to Jesus ultimately um, because he thinks Jesus well he thinks Jesus and God are for good people and I think we can do that I think there can be people who if they turned up in our church would make us uneasy I think there are people who if they turned up in our church would make us uncomfortable why are they here um, no good will come of it. Um, it's an uncomfortable thing to think about. Other people who, if they came, you would be uneasy. And that could be because of their sin. It could be because they're unlike you in their uh, sort of social circumstances. They may just be different. They may have different interests to you. Um, we very quickly relate to people like us. And when others come, we very quickly say, actually, I don't want them here. And by uh, saying that, we eventually say, actually, I don't want them in my church. I don't want them near us. And we have to be a church that's open to all people. And why is he like that? It's because he doesn't love her. He never has. He's never acted like Jesus did, who was a friend of sinners. And so we're to be people who love people. I think she also makes him uncomfortable because she has a closer relationship at this point to Jesus than he does. And you'll notice this when people come into church who are new Christians, new converts, that they suddenly 
are excited about God and what he's forgiven them. They see the depth of their sin and they're excited. Um, They have their arms everywhere, their um, feet are moving. They're exuberant in worship. They're exuberant when they talk about Jesus. Um, They're excited about the cross and what it means that they've been forgiven for their sin. And very quickly we say to ourselves, they'll hit the wall. Um, there's the sort of, uh, they'll get over it almost. Um, they'll become mature Christians like us, um, wear sort of, I don't know what Christian clothes are now, it used to be more sort of beige and uh, a bit more, uh, get the fishy badge uh, on the car. Um, I won't have a car in case it gets a fish badge on it. Um. <laughs> it's not going well so far. Um. But we view exuberance in worship with suspicion sometimes. I know sometimes I've seen people worshipping gods on their knees, tears streaming down their face, and it's made me uncomfortable because I thought, I'm not like that. I don't have that relationship with God. And then we despise them for that because we think, well, it comes down to they're showing me up. Um, They have a closer relationship with Jesus than me. And you become jealous of that, but not because you want to be close to Jesus, because they look better than you, or um, because they seem to be doing what you think a good Christian should be doing. And um, it's not right. But it's not just for woman that he, Simon is uh, responding wrongly to. And actually, how he responds to her is because he's responding to someone else wrongly. He's responding wrongly to Jesus. And that's what Jesus points out to him, actually. Uh, what I've said so far is for small point. Uh, how he responds to Jesus is what Jesus brings him up on. He says, see this woman and then he lists the things that Simon has not done for him, that the woman did for him. Simon has acted coldly towards Jesus. The things that the woman did were acts of affection and acts of service. Um, when you came into someone's house in the culture, you could expect to have, be given a bowl to wash your feet. That's an act of kindness, an act of service, because you... Um, you didn't wear shoes and socks and we, you didn't walk on uh, nicely made pavements. You walked through the mud and through the dirt of the city in sandals or in bare feet. So when you came into a house, you were self-conscious about the state of your feet. Um, you didn't want to make the host's floor dirty, but also your feet stank uh, because they're dirty, they're messy from the road. So you gave someone a bowl of water and a towel to wash their feet. Um, Elsewhere, Jesus wipes and washes the feet of his disciples. 
you also gave them a kiss as greeting. Hi, I'm glad to see you. A kiss on the cheek. Welcome. Uh, that's cultural, and maybe we uh, do a hug and a handshake. But um, it's that sort of warmth when you see someone that Jesus had not received from Simon, who's just ushered in. Here's the food. Go and sit down. Uh, and he's not giving him oil on his head. He's not gone and sort of blessed him. Welcome. Please don't do that to me if I come round. Um, that's not the point of this text. The point of this text is not pour ointment on each other's heads, whatever ointment may be. Uh, Johnson's baby something. Is that called ointment? Uh, Rupert? Oil. <laughs> yeah. Johnson's baby oil, sort of on your head as you come in. Thanks. Um, keep to the sermon, Tim. He's not done that for Jesus, and that's not because he's forgetful. It's because actually he's agnostic towards Jesus. He doesn't really um, care for him, he doesn't love him. And this is the real rub of the passage, is how do you relate to Jesus? Do you relate to Jesus like Simon did? Does Jesus leave you cold when you think about him? When you, um, and if that's so, how can you see that in yourself? Well, Jesus shows it to Simon quite practically. He says, you weren't warm when you welcomed me in. You didn't serve me. You didn't bless me. And this man, Simon, hasn't served Jesus. And I think we have to think about that in quite stark terms. When you think of Jesus, when you live your life? Do you live your life to serve Jesus? Do you live your life to bless Jesus? When you think of Jesus, does it make your heart warm, skip? Are you pleased to come to church because that's where you meet with Jesus? I think for Simon, the answer was no. And I think for some of us, the answer is no. Actually, um, we don't respond to Jesus in that way and I think the reason for that is seen in the parable those who are forgiven little love little and I think often as we grow old as Christians um, I've been a Christian I can't even remember how many years um, and I think we almost get to a point where we think well, I remember I went through a sinful phase between there and uh, I was particularly evil between uh, June 2005 and 2011, but I've cleared that up now and now I stand before you as someone who, okay, I occasionally uh, trip up grannies or... Um, Nothing major. Um, I beat up my brother if no one can see it. But I'm not a big sinner. Uh, not like Burroughs. Um. <laughs> He's just smiling back at me. Um. 
And I think we can do that. We can forget what our sin is. We think, can forget that actually we think of my sin is what I was forgiven for 15 years ago when I became a Christian. My sin is what I prayed for forgiveness for when I had backslidden and I came back. My sin is that thing that was forgiven. And the sin that is forgiven today doesn't bother me because that's small. Um, Okay, I swore at that person or I was uh, grumpy because I found out um, uh, for booking uh, for Borderlands wasn't quite the same. And instead of sleeping... Uh, with my wife at Borderlands. I'm sharing a bed with Jonathan Burroughs. That's an image no one wanted. (laughs) But (laughs) 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 Yeah. Jonathan's going to sleep on the floor because... Because I've got a bad back and um, five things I shouldn't have said in the sermon. <laughs> Where was I? What was I saying? Anyone? <laughs> Small sins and big sins. Uh, yeah, so when we see our sins, it's all small things. Actually, in preparing this, I thought, actually, I've not been convicted of sin in the way I have been before for quite a long time. And the first time I came to prepare this, it suddenly struck me that a lot of the things I've been um, sitting were small things, getting grumpy with people, um, um, getting grumpy with other people. Um, it's, it's the MVQ I have to do at work. It's, it makes me grumpy. Um, <laughs> um, and that's about the worst I could think of. And coming to preach, I just thought it suddenly struck me I couldn't say anything. I, I uh, practice this to the wall, and it's painful and lasts about 50 minutes. Um, and I couldn't actually speak because I realised um, I'm not worthy to stand here and say this because I am like Simon in that I do see my sin often as small and actually though small that sin is what took Jesus to the cross and actually it's no smaller than any other sin in fact, you could easily argue from the Bible, from everything that it teaches, that the worst sin of all is pride, because that's what threw the devil out of heaven. He thought he was as good as God. He thought he should be raised up to the height of God, and he was proud. And we sin so often through pride, thinking our sins are small, God's forgiveness a little. We sin so often thinking actually that we're better Christians than others. We look at others and say, well, they turn up to church late and I turn up every morning at 9.30. 
And it may be true, but that's pride and that's for worse sin. Or you might look at others and say, well, I don't do that. And that makes you proud. I'm a better person because I don't sin. And actually, the end of that is that you'll end up judging God. Why does God love that person as much as me? Because the Bible teaches that God loves the worst Christian as much as he loved the Apostle Paul, as much as he loved Tyndale who died for him, as much as he loved me who gets up at eight on a Sunday morning to get here. And I can end up thinking, why? Um, Because I see their sins as so big and mine are so small. Why does God not think higher of me? It does actually lead him to do the minimum for Jesus. The Pharisees were well known um, for doing, keeping the law. In fact, they were the enforcers of the law. In fact, at one point, Jesus teases them, saying, you uh, tithe, that is, uh, the Jews were taught to give a tenth of everything they earned uh, to God um, as a gift, because everything comes from God. And so... The Bible says, give a tenth back to God to show your faith. In fact, uh, in the Bible it says, test me and see that I'm good. I've given you everything. Uh, Even if you're struggling financially, give me a tenth and I'll bless you because you're putting your faith in me and not in yourself. It might not make a wise budget, but it makes wise theology to give back to God who gave you everything. I was thinking about this with jobs and stuff. How have I ended up in the job I've got now? Is it because I had a good interview? No, it's because God moved the hands of uh, the people who interviewed me to pick me. And that was God, that wasn't them. It was his choice. And it wasn't me, what I did. It's all God. God gives me everything. And you can end up thinking, well, I earn my money. Why should I give it to God? Actually, he gives you everything. Now, the Pharisees uh, obeyed that law. Um, I think it's probably a good law to obey. Um, But they obeyed it to a point that Jesus teased them, saying, you tithe to the extent that when you grow, I don't know, a mint plant on your garden windowsill, Uh, before you eat any, you cut off 10% of the leaves and put them aside for the Sunday offering. And if you had a sheep, he didn't say this, but I was thinking this, uh, you'd have all the sheep in Wales walking around with uh, 10% of the fleece cut off, ready for the tithe. It's quite a pleasing image, really. If you sold a car, uh, no, uh, let's not get distracted. Um, So he does that. But when it comes to actually serving above that, he served as far as the law told him. 
He does everything that is required and no more. And we can so often do that in church. We give to God what he requires. We give to God, we turn up to church, we turn up to the midweek meeting, and apart from that, we give God nothing. There's my time and there's church time. Actually, it's all God's time. And Jesus says to Simon here, you do that because you don't love me. And you don't love me because you're not forgiven. And you don't see what I have forgiven you. The woman is the total opposite of what Simon is like. She wants to be with Jesus and she wants to serve Jesus with everything she's got. She is generous to him in a way that Simon isn't. You see the gift that she brings it's this jar of ointment that she breaks over his feet. Now, um, that is a, a huge gift. It's, um, if you think perfume and things are expensive today, they were a hundred times more expensive then when if you wanted something to smell nice, you had to crush leaves and uh, do all the hard work rather than send it to a laboratory. Um, it's a huge thing that she does for Jesus. Um, and she's not embarrassed to do it in front of those people. She's not embarrassed to worship Jesus because she doesn't see them. Her eyes are full of Jesus. And I think that's something for us to grasp hold of. That when we worship, fix your eyes on him. If you um, look around you and think... What are they thinking of me here? I'm making such a fool of myself. Then you won't worship Jesus easily. But when your eyes are fixed on him, you'll worship. When you see what he's done for you, you'll worship. And she's not embarrassed to witness to what he's done for her in front of these people. Simon's problem actually is he doesn't think Jesus has forgiven him that much. He doesn't love Jesus because he doesn't, um, doesn't think he's got a real sin problem. This woman sees her problem with sin and sees Jesus as the answer to that. And she's not afraid to say that in front of people. She's not afraid to say, actually, my sin sent Jesus to the cross. And to bear witness to him. And that's what we're called to do. Because Jesus went to the cross for that woman. Died for her. And he's able to say to her, your sins are forgiven. Now this is slightly confusing because I think we see that and see that as the first time her sins are forgiven. Actually, if you look at how the parable works... Um, it's because she's been forgiven that she loves Jesus. Jesus is reassuring her, your sins are forgiven. He's telling her, your sins are forgiven. What has already happened is still true. And isn't it wonderful when Jesus does that for you? Isn't it wonderful when you're thinking, 
I've messed up again. And then you hear the voice of Jesus say, it's forgiven. Uh, You read one of those verses that says, how many times if my brother sins against me, should I forgive them? And it says 70 times 7, and you realize the meaning of that means that God will forgive you however many times you sin. Or you sin again and you read in John, where it, 1 John, where it says, My little children, if any of you sin, there is one who stands in heaven who has already paid the price for your sin. And you see that and you think, wow. And that's what Jesus is doing for her here. She's broken by her sin. She's broken by how much she sees it costs him. And he picks her up and says, your sins are forgiven. I love you. Go in peace. And that's what Jesus will do for us. If we feel cold, if we feel that God is distant, it may be because we don't see the depth of our sin. It may be because we think, actually, I'm living the good Christian life now. I've been saved and now I'm fairly sanctified and I've pretty much forgotten my sin. And actually, it's in seeing your sin, in seeing how much you owe to God, that that warmth, that embrace of Jesus can come to you. That's what will make you love Jesus. And so I think as we close, we need to think about who Jesus is, not think about who we are, who's the biggest sinner here, and it's probably me, especially after this sermon. Um, It's not to look at our sin, but it's to look, and not to look at other people's sin. Not even to try and measure sins that you've done. Today I did a, I don't know, a sin, a 4.5 on the sinner scale. Not that type of, because that won't make you love God more. If you try and love God by thinking, well, how much has he forgiven me today? Not a lot. Um, It's actually to see how much has God forgiven me today? He died on the cross for me. He went to Calvary to pay the price for my sin. It's that, what can't I owe to God when he gave his life for me? When you see what God has done for you, then you'll love him. Let's pray. Father, I've really messed up this sermon, but I pray that something will have sunk in to these people here. I pray that my brothers and sisters would not see me in my folly and uh, but see you in your glory and give you praise for what you've done and who you are. 
Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me because I need that every day. There's nothing good in me that you should have chosen me, but you chose me because you love me. And you went to Calvary, you died on the cross for me because my sin was so bad that nothing else could have done. Nothing good I could do could have saved me. Nothing good that anyone else could do could have saved me. Only the death of you, Jesus, the perfect one in my place could save me. I love you, Jesus, for that. Please help me to love you more, see more of what it cost, more of what you did for me. Help me never lose sight of that, never trust myself, never think I've made it as a Christian, never think I've nothing more to learn, but always see, always see what you've done for me and always love you above anything else because no one else could have saved me and no one else could have given me the life that you give me. I pray that for these people here, that they would see you and that their whole lives, not just two hours on a Sunday and an hour or two in the middle of a week would be yours, but the whole life. And, and we say the thing that gets us up in the morning is you, but it's an alarm clock so many mornings. And it's not you. We don't think of you until we go back to bed some days because we don't rely on you. And actually, we owe everything to you. When we see what you gave so that we weren't in hell, when we see what you gave so that we didn't die, you died for us. And that covers all our sin. That covers everything. Please make us see that. Please grow our love for you. Please make us willing to give our whole lives to you. We love you, Lord. We love you for what you've done for us. Amen. I think you're free to go and drink tea and coffee. And um, I think if God has spoken to you, don't rush off. Um, I don't think we're going to do anything now as far as I know, unless Rupert wants to. Um, no, we're not going to. But don't think that you have to be first in the queue for tea when actually you've still got time to meet with Jesus and pray. So ends the meeting.